Hello and welcome to the Pete Barter Podcast, where you will join Pete in interviewing top-level thought leaders in education, music, and business, as well as a sneak peek into Pete's thoughts and challenges. This episode is all about... This is what I really want to do, and it started from there and just grew and grew and grew till uh, the point where it's seven days a week. Nice, and how many students do you teach a week? Just under 70. When you have any more like than 20 or 30 students, it becomes a big part of your life. It's something that you, you dedicate a lot of time to, not just teaching, but you're running a business as well. Whatever you are doing right now, keep on doing it and enjoy this episode of the Pete Barter Podcast. All right, and welcome to this episode of a amazing podcast with an amazing music educator from Adelaide. His name is David, the Piano Man Metten. How are you, Dave? Good, thank you very much, Pete, and yourself? I'm good, buddy. Thanks for spending some time and having a chat with me and, and helping me on my quest to share the, the goodness of what music education should and is all about. My pleasure. That's good. Anything that we do that uh, helps everybody is great. So I'll give, I'll give people a little bit of a background on you and then you can elaborate uh, if you like. So Dave's been a, a piano teacher for about 200 years and uh, he sounds great for his age. <laughs> so Dave well, teaches piano to um, school age kids um, from uh, in their homes and his own home and his own studio. And you've been doing that for many years. Dave, how long have you been teaching for in total? Well, on the books, 36 years. 36 years as a teacher on the books. We'll get, we'll get to that later. But there was an off the books, was there? Or... <laughs> there was an off the books. <laughs> 36, 36 years of teaching. I've been teaching for 20 and, and I feel like I'm, I'm just starting to get the hang of it. Uh, <laughs> 36 years. So what made you start teaching, David? That's a, that's a good question. I, um, I was, uh, my parents were foster parents for some uh, kids and it started they, because I was learning the piano, I thought I'd show them a few little things and one thing led to another and then I thought, oh, this is, this is interesting, I like doing this. So I got more into it and then um, that was just, just from home and just the people that were staying at our house. Then someone else asked me, oh, look, can you teach me a bit of this? And that rolled on. And one day I thought, well, it's actually pretty good. I, I think I'd like to do that. And uh, I actually finished high um, school, started going to uni doing medicine. Okay. And realised that that's not exactly what I wanted to do. Mm. Only because um, I, you know, seeing sick people all day long, I thought, well, I would be helping them, but I, I don't want to see sick people and sad all the time, so I want to you know, make it happy and all of that. <clears throat> so I changed courses and much to my parents' disappointment at the time, I said, what are you doing? And I'm like, well, look, I, I, this is what I really want to do. Um, and it started from there and just grew and grew and grew till uh, the point where it's seven days a week. Okay. So it's, it's doing really well. Nice. And how many students do you teach a week? Oh, just under 70. Wow. So you're clearly running a big business. It's a, it's a proper, it's a yeah, proper thing, isn't it? it? You know, it's when, when you have yeah. any more than like 20 or 30 
when you have any more like than 20 or 30 students, it becomes a big part of your life. It's something that you, you dedicate a lot of time to, not just teaching, but you're running a business as well. And, and to have 70 students a week is, is, is definitely a full-time gig, that's for sure. Mm, and because 98% of them are one-on-one, mm-hmm. so that does make it at, uh, a full-time, plus all your paperwork and everything else that you need to organise. Mm-hmm. So yes, yes it is. Yeah. And doing a one-man show, absolutely. Yeah. So Dave and I get the opportunity and the privilege to sit on the, the Council of the Music Teachers Association um, here in SA. So we've had a number of conversations and they've all been sort of bits and pieces and, uh, and I like the vibe that Dave puts out in the room and, uh, and I'm sure that his students are gaining a lot from that. So this is not a cold call and Dave hasn't never done a podcast before and he was asking some questions earlier on what the hell a podcast was. So, and I'm, and I'm sure once we hang up, Dave, jump on my website and you'll see the other podcasts that I've done. Um, and I'll share the links with you directly yep. so you can check them out and you can see what the hell this stuff is all about. So Dave and I, sure. Dave and yep. I are helping the Music Teachers Association here in, in moving forward and becoming a, uh, a much better, cleaner, focused, uh, a business-focused as well as a, a member-focused organisation. They've been around for 72 years um, and they've, they've still got a long way to go. 72 years is a massive feat to run an organisation. My hat's off to them because it's, it's not easy to sustain anything for that long. Uh, but things are changing, Correct. and I know that I've come on and shaken a few trees, and and uh, the trees have made some nuts fall out, and, and the people that have caught those nuts and kept them in order are people like David. So Dave's Dave's definitely helping me shake some trees, and I appreciate your uh, support. Yeah, I think I'm giving you a new nickname, Russell. <laughs> Russell, because <laughs> then you grow yeah. yeah, Russell feathers and Russell leaves really well. <laughs> Yeah, that's great. So, what are, we, we kind of the way these podcasts work is I just generally give people a call, and I've got another podcast to do with a music teacher that's uh, in the states tomorrow, and, and she's a full time educator, and um, she shares some amazing values. So, I'm looking forward to having a chat with her as well. And she's she's asked me to give her some uh, a bit of an insight on the questions that I'll be asking, and I don't really have any questions. We just kind of end up just talking and. And I think it's honest for me to say, uh, well, it's, it's needed for me to say to the listeners right now that it's it's pure and honest. There's no there's no pre-planned conversation. We have no idea. I have no idea where this is going to lead. Um, so I, I I like doing podcasts. This kind of it's like a jam. It's a conversation jam. No one has any idea, but I just know we're in the key of C, whatever the hell that means. I have no idea because I'm a drummer. Um, so yeah, I just I just like asking right. questions, Dave. So, the what do you think is the biggest problem in music education right now, if there is one? If you think there is one, in music education. Well, yeah, yeah, um, music education. Yep, and there is a little bit of a lag um, coming from one side of Adelaide to the other via Skype. So I apologize if you're hearing some dead spots, but we'll do what we can do. Mm-hmm. Music, well, there's the difference is the private educators and there's always the school system or the educational system. I think the syllabus is one thing and, and somebody who's decided to 
this is what we should teach kids in music or about music is not always what's really required by the actual students or what we need for music, but as a general idea to get them started into music. And so when they get to a course and they go to uni, they realize something is different or there's a lot of things missing. And even though it is supposed to be just music, there's lots of other things that we can relate to that is not actual music structure itself. And I mean, I, I teach piano and piano is my forte, but I'll talk about other instruments and, and I've got a couple of drums here that I can show the kids rhythms and different things and they don't expect that, but it's a valuable thing. So what's missing? Well, as a general idea, um, practical stuff, more that that's, you know, in mainstream or everyday things that we hear on the radio that, that kids want to get used to. Piano is supposed to be a classical instrument, but you can build out a whole lot of different tunes from different eras that, that suit. And there's a lot of people who are doing transcriptions now from a group or a band and, and either modernizing it into pop or something that suits the instrument better. Yeah. So a lot of the practical thing is, is I think, one of the major problems. The, the other one is, is making sure that teachers work together. Elaborate on that a little bit. I'm not sure what you mean, work together as in, in a school scenario or? Well, I think in the school that is, they do work more together because they have to, and depending on who's um, the in charge of that department can get a team that works well together. But there's always going to be that, um, well, not pressure, but, you know, my student's done this, your student hasn't done that, or, you know, someone else's student is better than mine, what, what's going on? And I think talking to other um, teachers or educators and, and giving them a hint without being rude and just saying, look, you know, I think maybe your kids should improve on their sight reading or something like that and working together and the other person not the other teacher not being offended and saying well that's the point I'd, I've never you know thought about that that way and what do you suggest that I could do I get you yeah I and I've done that mm -hmm. um, I um, I ran into I've had a couple of students that have left over the years and who've migrated to a different teacher who was an examiner and um, I caught up with her at the beginning of the year, and I said, oh, those two students, um, they're doing all right. And she said, yeah, they were yours, weren't they? And I said, yes, they were. And she said, oh. I said, one day, can we catch up and you can let me know what part of the technique or something that was lacking so that I could improve? And she looked at me, and she's a senior examiner uh, and, and has got quite a few degrees, and said to me, well, you've got all the guts coming and asking me that. And I said, well... It's not about me, I said, it's about the students. If I can improve on something that I'm not sure about, then it's just going to make it better for my next lot of students and all the ones that I've got to improve them so that they, they just get more, more out of it. They become better students. So, exactly. They become better. It's not about and being a good student, ultimately. Kids don't think of themselves as students. They think of themselves as future musicians. Exactly. And they can only get, well, not only can get that, but a great deal comes from 
us teachers who are teaching them, and if we teach them the correct way with a lot of possibilities, then it's going to become, well, I'm not going to say endless, but, you know, they've got a lot less limitations. Yeah, right. Yep. That makes sense. That makes sense. When you say working with other teachers, I thought you meant like if you're teaching at school, I teach at a couple of different schools and, and I often speak to the, the classroom teacher about little areas that I could help their students improve on. So um, if it's, uh, if like, you know, the, the schools call them reflections these days. So if little Johnny's got a reflection and he can't come to lesson on time or is he doesn't come to the, the lunchtime or the recess little jams that we have, and I'll find out that he's had a reflection yep. over recess, I'll find out what it's for. And if his lesson is after the reflection time, I'll try and work with the teacher in, in isolating the problem that caused him to have that reflection. So, But I'm not necessarily speaking to the music teacher uh, or other music teachers. So the same kind of thing, I guess. It's just being a communicator and asking questions and trying to help. Look, we're put on this planet to help. And by default, yep. we're doing a million things to destroy it. So, and that's just something we don't know. Yes. It just happens organically. Unfortunately, um, the world's getting, the world's changing, and it takes the right sort of person just to ask the right questions to help it move forward. And we're working with kids. You and I both. Are, what what kind of age limit are your guys that you're teaching? Uh, at the moment, my youngest one is four. Right. And my oldest one is. Uh, or 60-something. Well, you've got a fair scale no, I, to cover there. Asked, <laughs> What's your most I average? I asked her date of birth. Oh, <clears throat> I suppose um, between 10 and 14. Okay, yeah, same for me uh, on the drums. Um, so, mm -hmm. yeah, at that point of their life, it's they're becoming mini-adults. The, and, yes. and the things that they learn at lessons, now these conversations are kind of me throwing my two cents worth in as well and tell me I'm wrong, but I think music lessons aren't just about the music in the lessons, they're about the person they're learning from. Yes. And, you know, the, yep. the, the little Johnnies of the world are coming for drum lessons, so you, you sell them or you, you sell their parents what they're after, but you give them what they need. You know, if they if they come to a lesson and they're really down in the dumps and doom and gloom, and you would try and cheer them up. You wouldn't try and be a psychologist and ask them questions, but you would definitely try and you would definitely cheer try them. and um, cheer them up and, and be a positive role model. That's right. Yeah, exactly. And with music, we could nurture so well. And I've had um, so many cases where, where, you know, over the years that kids have come to me with, with a problem where you can see them down and so on. And, you know, before halfway through a lesson, they're, they're up there having fun and they've forgotten all about that. And it's, it's great. And they leave and the parents look at me and I go, don't ask, just it was fun. We had a great time. Yeah, great. So it's really good in that sense, yeah. Yeah, that, that's good. That's but we, it's important. We do play a lot of parts. Yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, I've had kids who've um, told me very personal things about their family. Yeah. And it's because it shows that it's a, a great deal of trust. And sometimes they can't relate to their parents or, or someone else for whatever reason they feel that it's not uh, comfortable for them. Hmm. But yet the person they see once a week that 
you know, they feel really comfortable with, then it's it's great. So it's how they perceive us, yes, definitely, definitely. Yeah, I agree. Um, We had uh, the the organisation that we run, ETI Music, um, we had a, a swagger teachers come uh, come to us at a certain time, and we uh, one one business that was doing music education shut down, and and uh, sort of the word got out that we were doing what we did, and and a couple of educators come to us, and we put them all through the mandatory notification and the the um, uh, response to neglect and all the all the courses that need needed to happen, and mm-hmm. one of the teachers. Um, started teaching and it was probably about maybe 10 or 15 lessons in with one particular student that um, that the teacher had got some information given to her by the student and the teacher was just, oh my God, like it was, it was one of those horrible stories that we all don't want to hear about. Um, and the teacher just amazingly did what she needed to do and she reported uh, and that teacher went on to not only become an amazing vocal teacher and a vocal uh, performer, singing. Uh, she sings in a lot of um, bands around around town uh, and in and out of Melbourne. But she also become a become a psychologist, a child psychologist, um, okay. because of the power of the interactions that happen with with students and teacher, music teacher. Yeah, I know that there's school teachers that don't have the same. Um, a level of um, compassion, and they, they just do what they do, and the teachers there's not there's much trust there, so the student doesn't confide, and and you know it's it's far beyond just the music lesson. It's far beyond learning scales and rhythms and patterns and notations and, and all that. That that's important. It has to happen, otherwise lessons are pointless. But there's so much more to it that I know that happens, not just in in my little organisation, but globally, in every single lesson that happens across the planet. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yes. And when you think about it, we, we've been doing some stats lately for um, you know our semi platform, and some of the stats that we're looking at um, to to go towards a marketing campaign and improving the worthiness of music education is it was seven hundred and fifty thousand music lessons a year that happen in Australia. That's twenty percent, twenty percent of all kids. All school age kids are having lessons after school hours, which equates to about seven hundred fifty thousand yep. lessons uh, per week. That's twenty percent. But in the UK, it's sixty eight percent of school age students are having lessons outside of school hours, so private music education. Sixty eight percent. So more than half in the UK, yep. and less than quarter here in Australia based on numbers. So it's an interesting stat. And when you think about it, when you think about that, it's 750,000 lessons a week that happen. Mm -hmm. 750,000 individual one-on-one lessons that are happening. They're they're currently happening. How do we know any of those are any good or even safe? We don't. And yep. there's a reason that the music education um, in schools, the, the, the school music educator, uh, which I am one of as well, um, I play in a couple of different spaces. I do the music education at schools where I, I work inside the schools. I get paid by the parents, but I have to have all my clearances and, and all the, the, the notifications so I can teach at a school. But I don't need any of those to teach from a home. 
Now, nobody, sure. if you don't, you don't need them. You just have to gain the trust. And so think about the 750,000 yeah. music lessons that are happening outside of school hours. It's totally up to the oh. educator whether they show that they have clearances and police checks and all that sort yep. of stuff, which I, I, I promote willingly that I do have all these clearances and I'm actually an SSO, mm -hmm. a student service officer in, in one of the schools that I teach at as well. And there's a couple of kids that I've connected with quite well. So yeah, it's just a mind-blowing number to think that 750,000 people a week, this is a stat from the, um, the ABS as well. So this is like a real stat, not me making up numbers. 750,000 uh -huh. yep. lessons a week happening right here in Australia and there's not really any government or any governing council that is is checking the quality of the lessons. Uh -huh. So yep. that's something I'd like to see happen. Um, but it's a, it's a big task and I know that we're trying to, we're on the right track yep. with some of the things that we're working on, but it's, it's an astounding number. Yep. It is. It is an astounding number. And now, are we going to look into why we've only got that amount compared to England? Is it because we're such a sporting nation? We definitely are a sporting nation. That's uh, probably a, a thing. But what I think it is more to do with is uh, Australia... Um, Has better weather without trying to be stuck. <laughs> <laughs> it was all about the weather. I think it has more to do with the the professionalism of music in general. Right. There's yep. uh, and the stats for America are far beyond that. Um, it's oh not, yeah, it's there's a lot of people, but it's percentage based. So it's America. People go to America to learn music, but a lot of people leave Australia to go to the UK or to go to America because music education as a teacher and as a student is a far more professionalized place to be. You can yep. teach, I can, yep. and I've got a, a good friend of mine who uh, he's, he's moved from Adelaide as a teacher over to England uh, as a teacher. Same right. amount of students, but represented better by the industry in, in the UK. And I think the second the second music education gets a proper spot um, as a as a professional body as a professional organisation, then then I think more teachers are going to want to teach and more teachers are going to want to find more students and not just find more students but create more students. Create that's right. So yeah, look, you got to create the supply, create the demand, and working with kids between the age of of five and and 10, they're at the point where they mm -hmm. might just start music. But if you start them yep. and they get bored shitless, they're not going to continue. Yep. So they're not yep. going to be a student from no. the from 10 to 15 to 18 and there's no university. And But you've got to start them on the right track. Yep. I'm getting passionate now. You can exactly. hear it. It's, it's getting the kids started, yep. getting them excited about music. And I don't think that's happening enough. Um, well, there's, you're right. And I haven't um, advertised for probably a quarter of a century, mm -hmm. so about 25 years. Right. Um, and, and it's all, all my, my, you know, my seven days' worth of teaching. I'm talking Saturdays and Saturdays where I do between 10 and 12 hours mm -hmm. of straight teaching. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's all word of mouth. 
And this is from, you know, the students or the parents who've said, look, David's a really good teacher, and they encourage other young students, or young kids, I should say, before they are students, to say, look, I think you should learn the piano. Listen to my kid play, yeah. and he's been with David only X amount of times. Excellent. You should go and see him. You should be the piano. You should start learning. They're promoting, they're because, promoting you. Yeah. They're promoting the, the feeling yeah. that the parents have, and they're so proud of yep. their student. They're, sorry, the parents are proud of their child, and you can only wish to be a proud parent. It's totally up to how the kid responds to that. And if you've got kids that are coming through and they're learning good stuff really quick because they're excited about the lesson, excited about the teaching theory, excited about the, the, the way you deliver, you're only going to, you know, our, our organization is called ETI, Education Through Inspiration. If there's no inspiration, the education is not going to happen. It's gonna, well, it's gonna happen. It's gonna happen, you know, reluctantly or slower, because they're not inspired to learn. I don't know any kid yeah. that gets a bad gets that gets a good grade for a subject that he hates. Exactly, exactly. You're you're very very right on that. And you know, not just not just parents. I come on. So I told a friend of mine, "Can you write me down your number?" Because I told him that I can't get and I'm really enjoying it. We had the great time. So can you teach them as well? Because they're my friend. <laughs> you know, but that's, that's fantastic when you hear little stories like that. Absolutely. And sometimes you get, you get, you know, I've had people who've contacted me and said, oh, you're a piano teacher, so I get, oh, well, our daughter goes to school, you know, with so-and-so, and he, he's, you know, we've gone to their past couple times and that, and that, and really good, and now our daughter wants to learn because of that. So it's, it's yeah, it's fantastic when you get, you know, response like that and feedbacks it's yeah it, it's yeah. really inspirational you know that little thing that phone call you get or somebody come along and, and, and doing that it's it's a great bonus mm. so that gives you lots more energy and you think right well I'm, I'm doing it right by these people let's just keep it going you know i wish it was as the beetle would say eight days a week and i could teach an extra day <laughs> you know yeah <laughs> Yeah, and so what about, so, it's getting a little bit choppy here, I'm not sure if you've just moved positions or something, but it's starting to break out a bit. The, what do you think about the, um, the whole performance um, aspect of it? And uh, just, just to give you a bit of a summary on, on my thoughts, you know, we, mm. we get kids to a certain level, we help kids get to a certain level, I think, a little bit quicker by putting them in situations where they get a little bit stressed out, they know they've got to be on stage, and, and, and if they want to be on stage, we ask them early when they when they come into. So this is how I do it. This is this is something I think it's really important whether other people do it or not. I don't know, but when we have a student for the very first day, we spend ten minutes at the very first lesson, just asking questions about why drums what do you see yourself doing in five years they don't know what they don't know yet so there's some really hard questions to ask but just ask them like what's their favorite music and sometimes they just don't know they don't know who a favorite their favorite drummer is they don't have an idea of but they just like the idea for some reason finding out that reason is going to help you be the best teacher you can be and some of those reasons are yes. i want to perform on stage i want to play in a band i want to record a song i want to record an album so there's no point yep. pushing a, a student towards playing live when they just want to record in a studio or vice versa. So we ask those questions. So what are your what are your thoughts on that? 
Yeah, I, I'm, I'm the same. I, I usually ask them, why do you want to learn the piano? And, you know, I'll just like play. I want to, you know, play and they'll, they'll name an artist or two that, you know, that they, they've heard and that sounds like there's piano in it. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them are going to look, I, I want to become a concert pianist. And there's others that have said, I want to become a piano teacher. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But putting a bit of pressure on, on, on the um, ones that do want to perform, yes. And even the one that don't want to perform, I encourage them to. I mean, we have examinations where they've got to perform in front of a total stranger who's going to ask them questions and play pieces. Not only that they've actually rehearsed, but other pieces for sight reading. Mm-hmm. But what I also do is uh, a kid will come in and have a lesson, this one will come in early. I'll just call them and say, hey, come and listen to this. What do you think of this piece? And the one that's having the lesson is going, but, but, and I go, look, just, just play it, make it, they're not there, just play it, and you can see the tension build up. Mm-hmm. Mm. But when they've played it, you get the next ones clapping, saying, that was really good. And right. so it builds up an encouragement. Yeah, and then right. even more when the, the, yeah, the next student says, can I learn that piece? That sounded so good. Mm-hmm. You know, so, it, yeah, it all builds up to, to get them to be performing because I mean you know I've had some students who say no I just want to learn for myself I said okay that's fine but you know it'd be great if you played for other people because other people will enjoy it yeah so you know organizing them to go and play at um, uh, retirement homes or little you know any little thing it's fine it's good yeah do you organize do you organize those little shows for your guys yeah yeah I try to organize as much as I can it's uh it's a little bit time consuming at times and then getting with kids now who've got so much on, 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 you know, Kubon sports. I've got this, I've got that training. Then I've got to go to karate and I've got that yeah. as well. Yeah. Particularly, um, particularly that age between kids. 10 and 14, there's other things yeah. on and there's not just them, there's brothers and sisters yeah. and, and uh, gone are the days exactly. of a one child family. There's, you know, there's a lot more, mm-hmm. there's a lot more um, people movers being sold now than what there were 15, 20 yes. years ago. Because people are not just having the two point right. five; they're having the three, the four kids, and yep. so they've got to yep. entertain exactly. all the kids equally. So, yeah, yeah, I've I've got a number of students yep. who have brothers and sisters, and some of them all have lessons with me one after another. And there's there's one group, there's there's yep. three boys in the group, uh, two two twins and an older boy who have lessons with me half hour back to back, but they all stay in the room at the yep. same time. So effectively, they're getting an hour and a half each week. Um, and they all kind of jump sure. on the kit randomly yeah. and do different things. And there's certain weeks where I'm like, all right, so you two be quiet and I'm going to spend exactly half hour with this guy and then you can swap. But when yeah. I'm teaching you, he won't butt in. So um, they just be in the room because they yeah. learn from everything else. So that's definitely yeah. an effective way of doing it. It's kind of uh, it's it not a group lesson. It's hard to do group lessons on drums because you have to get up and swap all the time. And it's, it's, um, it's, it's good to do and I do a few of them. But we have a drum a drum kit or a practice pad set for every student in the room. Yep. Um, sure. Uh, hey, here's a question: Yeah. Is there ever been drum duels? Drum, yeah, man. There's a few. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, there's, uh-huh. there's a few. There's uh, yeah. there's a couple. If you check out, um, there's there's a guy named Dave Weckel who played drums for Chick Corea. You'd know Dave. You'd know Chick oh, Corea. Yeah. So he plays he plays yes. in the in Chick Corea's band and he's played for a, a million other people. And uh, Chris Coleman, who was here just recently, he played for Prince and Stevie Wonder. 
and they've they've yes. duoed they've duoed on a um uh, a song they duoed on a Stevie Wonder High Ground track. It's like eleven right. minute song. Yep. It's beautiful. So if if you're listening right oh. now, go and Google Dave Weckl, and that's W E C K L and Chris Coleman C O L E M A N High Ground, and you'll see one of the most amazing drum duos of of current times. There's been other ones with like Buddy Rich and Gene Krupa, and they're still amazing. But this is one that's only yeah. maybe a year old, and it's astounding. And it's right. a, Top shelf band. The the female vocalist is just amazing. I think she was one of the winners of American Idol or something. Um, but yeah, just okay. amazing. Just such a such a cool cool um, duo. Uh, there's been a couple of others yep. for, for comedy reasons. There was a Chad Smith and Will, um, Will Ferrell, you know, um, on uh, yeah. David Letterman. I think it was. Okay, uh, but that was just a bit a bit of fun. Well, yeah, okay. So, yes, question answered. <laughs> Very good. So what other, yeah, what other hobbies do you have, Dave, apart from playing piano a million hours a week? Hobbies? Do you have any other hobbies or something else? If pianos was to stop or you changed your path, Ooh. what would you do? Oh, change my path. That, that'll be... Um... Oh, interesting. Um, so nothing to do with music, you mean? Right. Is that, is that what you mean? So like yeah, no, if you were to change, if you were to change, like, if, do you have a hobby? Do you have like I, I love drums and I do that a lot. I love traveling. I do that a lot. I also, um, yeah, it's a, it's a hard question for me to answer too because there's so many other things that I like to do. I definitely don't like fishing. Um, I, I guess there's there's two types of drums I like playing. It's electronic drums in the middle of the night with headphones on, and there's acoustic drums up on a big stage or in a studio. So those two those two are kind of okay. for me separate things. Uh, I love water skiing. I haven't done that for a while. Um, I love I love I love travelling. I love speaking uh, on stages with with other good speakers and and delivering concepts and just asking questions. I love mentoring organisations, but that. They're not hobbies that I've started from when I was younger. They've just been things that I've been curious about. Uh, but there's other people that right. have a hobby like drums, and then Dave Weckl, his other hobby is racing cars because drums are kind of his job. So he has a, he has another outlet, and that's racing his um, his 750 horsepower um, Corvette around tracks in America. That's his that's his hobby. Right. Yep. Um, so yeah, well, do you have a hobby? I got um, lots of hobbies that I have time for. Yeah, I love scuba diving. Yeah, I, yeah. Well, uh, yeah, that's one I've I've been doing. I'll be doing a bit of that in the next few months. Okay, I um, you just don't have enough time for it. Um, so that's that's one thing. I I um, love not so much him, but getting out and hiking and trekking. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, something completely different that's got nothing to do with definitely teaching and uh, students don't know about, but um, I um, I love shooting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, so, it's a, it's a, that's an interesting one because I spoke to a guy the other day and, and he does um, long-range sort of sniper shooting. He's an American guy. It's pretty, you know, pretty big and standard over there. It's like fishing. You go sh- fishing or you go shooting, and and he does it for relaxation. 
because it's a, a long distance yeah. sniper kind of thing. You have to really relax and lower your heart rate and um, yeah. and is is one of the world's best guys that, that do this stuff. So, you know, it's my my, my brother is a um he's a I don't know where he'd be placed in in Australia, but he's up there when it comes to clay pigeons. Um, he was going okay. to be in the Olympics a few years ago, and he was one clay target away from um, winning uh, over Michael Diamond. Right. So my bro, my brother, right. uh, he's been doing that for years. Um, yeah, clay target, clay You're pigeons. In Adelaide? Pardon? Is he in Adelaide? Yeah, yeah, my brother's in Adelaide. Okay. So yeah, is it clay? What kind of shooting are you, are you talking about? Pistols or? I've done pistols, but I, I, I just rifles mainly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sort of. When you say when you say long distance, um, I um, my best shot was um, I dropped a goat in one shot at six hundred meters. <laughs> so, nice. So That's good. That was a nice little thing. Um, poor goat. <laughs> yeah, poor. That was only one shot. Didn't happen. But, it's a concentration thing. It's you know, accuracy and things like that. It's not just uh, yeah. Hey ho, let's just go do it. Yeah. It, you know, it, it requires a bit of planning to. But also, it gives you serenity and also the time that you want to talk. You've got a few friends that you can have. A, I mean, campfire just you know, have some relaxing time, but you still do have some uh, energy, heart pumping stuff as well. Yeah. So yeah. it's all it's yeah. all just having okay. a different thing. It's. Um, having, yeah. having a, I think having, if you do something 100% of the time, even if you love it 100%, it's going to start to take its toll. It's going to start fatiguing you yeah. and you're going to start becoming resentful of what you do because, you know, you see other, in yes. Facebook or resentment book, you know, people jump on Facebook and they, and they, and I do it. I see people on there doing amazing things that I want to be doing and, I'm like oh, you know, just yeah. but I got to do this and I got to do that, and but but I've kind of I've got the yeah. so so you know that we're, I'm working on some other things and I, I dedicate only twenty hours a week to teaching, which is like forty something students, a couple of group things in there, but most of them are one on one. So forty lessons a week, that's enough. That's that's kind of like your your full time weekly income, but I have all these other things that I do around that. So my Monday. And Fridays are my non-teaching days, which if I choose to do nothing on the Monday and the Friday, I'm, and I, I effectively give myself a four in normal people's worlds, I give myself a four-day weekend. But I, you know, I met with my accountant last Saturday. Um, I, I don't, I don't really conform to the days of the weeks. Um, I conform to the terms of schools because most of my students are in school age. So during the two weeks mm-hmm. in between school time. Um, I tend not to teach, but there are some adult students that I still will work with. But in the big break, um, I I run workshops and because seven weeks between the end of term four and the beginning of term one is a long time. And a tip for young players, if you're a music teacher, keep keep your students stimulated with activities and workshops and events. Even if they're three weeks apart, you could do two, you could do a workshop sort of one side of Christmas and another one the other side of New Year's and there isn't a massive void where they kind of forget how good it was to have lessons and then when it comes time to start again they have to really get motivated to start again 
It's like the normal adult when they go to work on a Monday. They're like, oh, it's Monday, because they've just had two days off and they're so not looking forward to it. But once they get there, you know, they're, they're fine. But I think having, um, having, uh, having something in the school terms, even if you continue the lessons an extra week or two weeks in and then start yeah. a little early, uh, I, I think that's a yes. good thing to do. And that also helps your attrition. It helps your, your students remain. Um, it's, it's compounding interest. It's, I'm, I'm away tomorrow, yes. so there's a day's worth of lessons that I can't give. I'm flying out to, to New South Wales, um, uh, Sydney. And if, sorry, flying to Brisbane, then driving to uh, Byron Bay, which is in New South Wales. The, the oh. thing that gets me down the most is I can't be here for my students for this one week. And I've scheduled it so we only miss one week in this term, and this is tomorrow. And the email that I sent to the parents was, even though I'm not there, it's important to continue and just use the, the half hour like I was there and play like I'm yep. watching and ask yourself questions like what I would ask. So that helps them become a bit more self-sufficient even when I'm not there watching them and helping them play. My job isn't to, and I tell the guys this all the time, and this is something that has it's kind of popped up in a few other podcasts recently, so I apologize to the listeners that's hearing me say it over and over again, but the, the development happens at the end of the lesson all the way up until the beginning of the next lesson. That's where the progress and the development happens not in the half hour during the mm-hmm. lesson. And you need to get that across to your students and your parents. What happens in the lessons mm-hmm. is a, a tweak and an adjustment of technique or some new additional technique and some new additional things that will help you um, apply to the, pro- to the time between the end of the lesson and the next lesson. So, and and yes. it's compounding every week. There's a lesson. It's compounding interest. It's something new. It's something new. It's something new. Oh crap! There's seven weeks off. There's no interest, and it starts going backwards a little bit. So just by having a something in there, even if you create a video series, which I recommend highly, to get to your students when mm-hmm. you're when you can't get to your students, just on certain topics, even if it's a psychological thing, if you go over something yes. that they know about. Even if you just talk mm-hmm. to them, and there's lessons that I have with my guys, with the parents in the room or they're not, there's lessons that we just sit and we talk. We don't even touch the drum kit. And sometimes, mm-hmm. most times when we do that, they get more value from the whole bigger picture of things instead of just the lesson. Like, like they yeah. come into the lesson knowing that they're going to do something. Then you throw a spanner in the works and we talk about the process that we've taken to now. So... You ask them questions like, can you see that you've got better? I can see. I know that you've got better. It's hard to see yourself. It's hard to see because you play for yourself every time you play. But I only see you play once yeah. a week. And I can see the improvements from week to week. So let them know that you, they are improving. And don't just say it so you keep their money. Like If they're not improving, figure out why because that's probably your fault as a teacher. Yeah, you know what I mean, and it's yeah. and you can't you can't bullshit to your students and say, oh, come on, Johnny, you're doing great, you're way better than next week. And if he knows he's not, and if he knows he's done no practice, he knows that you're not being truthful. Therefore, you've lost trust. Therefore, you're probably going to lose a customer, yes. and they're probably not going to want to learn yes. music from you or anyone else. They'll go and do something else. So you may have lost a really good future musician. And it's our job to create Number musicians one. and nurture them. Yep. 
Yeah, and it's also going to be bad PR because they're going to say, look, we were having lessons, but, you know, we didn't feel quite right and so on. So future future customers as well, future clients. Mm-hmm. Beautiful, mate. So the other thing that I do is I'll, um, I'll videotape them playing a piece or something, mm-hmm. and X amount of weeks later I'll say, can you play that one again? And they go, well, I haven't just, – just play it, and they'll play it. Let's have a look at this and – how you played it last month? Oh, yeah. Oh, well, I did this and this that I forgot I had to do. Okay, well, there you go. You can brush up on it yourself. You've picked it up. You've become your own teacher, mm-hmm. and you've recognised it. So that's great. Yeah, one of the things so that, that needs to say- happen. One of the things that needs to happen in school systems, not just one-on-one music educator like you know us amazing gurus, but teaching kids to mm-hmm. think for themselves. I watched an amazing TED yes. Talk this morning. I try and get a couple of TED Talks in every day because there's so many of them and these their ideas were spreading. And the one that I, I watched this morning um, was um, Reinvent Education. And I'll put the... I'll put the I'll send you the link. I won't put it in the comments of the podcast because it's kind of not me, but um i'll put it on my facebook and check it out and i'll send it to you directly i'll do that right now it's amazing you need to check it out um and yeah there's there's a lot of educational podcasts from future thinkers and thought leaders on how the education system is right now and how it is very much similar to what it was 60 years ago and even in the 1800s and we don't know what the world is going to look like in 20 years from now. So if you have a baby right now, in 20 years from now, they're going to be in the workforce that no one no one has any idea what workforce is going to look like in 20 years. It's it's an amazing thing. So teaching kids to think for themselves is definitely a priority, what I what I like to do. And when, when they're playing something on the kit and they don't quite have, they, they can't get out what they're trying to get out, coaching them is important. Mm-hmm. And just being on their side and saying, all right, so you can see that was a bit of a struggle. What do you think? We've talked about it before. What do you think would be the best way to fix that problem? And straight away they go, all right, I'll sit up. I'll make sure I've got my feet where they need to be, even though they're not the problems with their hands. Just by sitting up, it raises their shoulders, which means it raises their elbows, which means it raises their hands. All of a sudden they're sitting in a spot that they can get access to the drums um, that they couldn't get to when they were slouching. And if you're slouching in a drum kit yeah. for a half hour or, or 10 hours, then you're going to end up with some back mm-hmm. issues. And, and kids these days are already yeah. slouching. They already have oh, that absolutely. posture thing that just sucks because they're on the lounge and their neck is, the, the, I think in five years' time, our necks are going to be like giraffes. So we're not even going to have a neck. Our face will come straightly out and directly in front of our chest <laughs> because it's the, iP- yeah. the iPod, the iPhone syndrome, and everything's changing and... And I think the second that the heads-up display is part of our everyday eyesight is going to stop that from being a, a, a physical a problem on our spines and on our necks because I know that the next step is obviously virtual reality and it's headsets, um, but there needs to be some kind of level of seeing where you're going. And that's where the Google glasses were really good. I'm a, I love tech stuff. I'm, I'm super into to tech and part of our SAMI platform, as you know, we're going to have some augmented reality and yeah, and uh, Pokemon Go, as much as people hate it or, or like it, it's the coming out party for augmented reality, for AR. It's the it's yes. it's the first thing, 
and millions of people right now sitting in boardrooms across the planet working out how they can make AR as part of their business plan, their business model. So apps are being created with AR involved. And Sammy's going to have some AR involved in that too. And uh, it's going to... I know the stats were something like... um, Where was it? It was a Freakonomics or it was a podcast where they said, just because of Pokemon Go... We don't know how active the students or the kids or the participants were before using it, but based on the stats that we've got from tracking people's footsteps, 21 billion steps have been taken, no, 21 billion kilometers have been walked by people just based on Pokemon Go. Now that's getting people out of, from, in front of their computers out into the world. And Pokemon Go is not even at version one yet. It's version eight points as point eight something, so it's not even started. It's just practice, and it's going to get amazing. It's going to get huge, and that's the first of many things that are going to become augmented reality. And I don't know what the hell got me onto that topic. Um, I think it's the future of education and the way things are changing, the way things are evolving. So, and and being able to and there's been a device now that can create scents and create smells. With not actually having the smell, so you can you can select a few different. Um, you can get an aerosol can that smells yep. that, that shoots out a smell of whatever you tell it to do. Like you mix paint together, it gives you a certain color. This aerosol can yep. has a whole yep. series of different chemicals. Like every aerosol is all chemicals, but you have the series of chemicals, and when you mix them correctly by programming a number into the side of the aerosol can, it can make it smell like diesel fuel or flowers or car rubber or BO all in one aerosol can. This stuff is invented. So imagine this, right? You're you're playing at a drum kit. This is how... They'll give you a bit of a sneak peek into Sammy's AR. I don't think I've spoke to you about this. So you're sitting at a drum kit and you've just spent the last four weeks learning... Um, ACDC back in black, which is always a good go-to for, for a lot of drummers teach that to their students. And they get to a certain point yep. where they're playing a song that's really good and you say, hey, how would you feel about playing on stage with ACDC? And they're like, well, what do you mean? Put these, head, put these goggles on. This is more virtual reality than augmented reality. So you put the goggles on and they start playing. And when they move their head around, it looks around the stage. It's a 3D camera that we have footage of from a whole heap of amazing world-class touring bands. I have the footage of the drummer's point of view. And when the drummer looks to the left, he sees the bass player. And when he looks up, he sees a lighting truss. And when he looks down, he sees his pedal boards and pedals. He looks around, he sees everything. So imagine that. Imagine putting on those glasses and playing like you're on a stage. And you can make it feel like you're on a stage. You can instantly make it you know, a little bit smelly from the, the, the smoke machine or, you know, stinky guitarist. Um, <laughs> make it feel like they're actually there. Like spray water bottles around and just to make them sweaty and like give them that, give them that option to, to feel like they're on stage and just to get them excited about that. Um, and then they may want to go and do it a little bit more. And imagine just, and what I would do in this scenario is imagine what would happen if you get to that point. Imagine how you feel. I don't use the word think about much in my, my lessons. I use, I'm very feel, like, how do you feel about that? Not what do you think. Like, how do you feel? How do you feel about playing on stage with a bass player? 
there's it's yeah. a separate emotion off. If you say, if, if I get you a gig with my mate who's a bass player, what do you think? They're going to, what are they going to do? They're going to think about it. If I say, how would you feel about playing on stage with a friend of mine? They're going to start feeling like they're playing on stage or they're going to feel nervous or they're going to feel excited and they're going to feel anxious and then you can explore those with them and get them to the level that they want to be at. Um, so that's, you know, me, me yes. preaching again. But you know this stuff. You've been teaching far longer than I have. You know the connection that needs to happen between the student and the educator. And just by saying the right things, the connection's just there and you create friendships and you create... You know, my, my drum teacher was in my wedding uh, 12 years ago. Yeah. You know, and he was the best right. man in my wedding, by the way, not just some guy holding a, you know, a bunch of flowers. He was, he was the best man in my wedding. Him and my brother were joint best men. And, uh, yeah. and I still have an amazing, amazing connection with Billy, my drum teacher. And we haven't had a lesson together for maybe 15 years. So, okay. Yeah, and, and I love cool. that. And I'd, and I'd love the opportunity to, to be that guy. For my for my students, and that's mm -hmm. that's a goal. That's 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 my plan. You know, I want to I want to be that guy. I want to be I want to be someone that can be a role model to to anyone yes. that comes through my doors, whether it's at school or here in my home studio where I am right now. Mm -hmm. So it's yeah, as well, as as well as sharing as well as sharing this concept and and I've got I'd love to do a TED talk and I'm I'm kind of on the process now of getting my story to a 20 minute story where I can do a TED talk and yep. I'm actually going to do some speaker training in Byron Bay over the next 5 days uh, with with Jeffrey Slater and he's he's spoken on stage with Anthony Robbins and and Robert Kiyosaki and um, uh, a whole heap of others so he's helping me get my story straight so then I can apply to do a TED talk which then helps me share my ideas because that's what TED's all about is technology, education, and design. Um, I'm kind of going to combine the technology and the education together in my talk. Um, so stay tuned for that. There might be a few little, you know, smaller videos of me rehearsing this in front of other audiences. Um, and to get on the TED stage is an amazing opportunity, but a huge, a huge, um, uh, you got to do a lot of homework. You got to you got to do so much preparation before they even let you near the stage. Amazing. Okay. So I'm 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 looking forward to that day one day. But until then, I'm I'm happy just to chat to amazing thought leaders just like you that can help connect not just you and me together, but anyone else that listens to this podcast. If you're listening right now, we appreciate you hanging out and, and listening to us. And we're just a couple of teachers yep. that are trying to change the world one student at a time. Is that right? That is absolutely correct. Yep. Good. Glad I got and, that right. And, and what did <laughs> we put into them that they can multiply by passing it on and teaching as well? Yeah, one of, yeah totally. So when I, when, go ahead. Go on. So when, when I was when I was into uni and after I changed from uh, med, I started doing like all I was going to do performance, and I realised that that's not what it was for me. Right. So I thought, how can I make it better for students? And and that's why I do the things that I do. And we could we could have another pod talk, podcast one day about um, 
what I did to change the way that it was back then mm -hmm. to something more enjoyable. Because if it's music, it, it's an art, and art's got to be enjoyed. Mm -hmm. So it's not just about trying to practice your hardest uh, a huge amount of time trying to get everything to perfection to perform to people who expect perfection mm -hmm. but it's about enjoying what you're playing and setting the feeling so that people enjoy and get a feeling out of what's coming out of that instrument mm -hmm. it's yep. you know it's so much more different yep. and so I thought well I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna do that and that's why I changed to teaching and not so much performing because performing you only you don't make everybody happy anyway, but when you do it and, and you teach, you mm. then change things and then you can multiply the performance. So if you do yep. 40 hours of practice a day and you do it for a week and you do that for six weeks and then you give a, a performance or four or five performances, you've done that. But if you multiply it by the amount of students that you have and how much time they can practice, yeah. it's that compound interest again. You know, It multiplies and then you've got a whole bunch of... Yep. Happier people who play to a whole lot more yeah. people for an audience and things, and it's 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 even better. That makes sense so, to me. Yeah. That makes perfect sense. And you know, you you can you can share your craft by you playing on stage, and you can still do that. I still do that. I still play a lot of gigs, but I know that every time one of my students play, and I've had students long enough where they're out playing in gigs and touring, and some of them have got some good stuff on the radio, and and. I don't, yeah. I don't take the selfish point, but I do feel great when they play because I know that they've got to that point because of the encouragement and the, the connections that we've created. Uh, I could have been a horrible teacher and they could have left me or they could have left the field altogether and just gone to the other way. They could have gone, well, this music stuff's crap. I'm going to go and study medicine or I'm going to go and become a, you know, a, a carer. Yeah, so, yes, you know, it's, yes. It's great. Excellent, Dave. That's right. Just one more thing. Have you ever seen a um, AMEB certificate? Nope. Okay. <laughs> I'll show you one. Uh, I'll see you. Uh -huh. it, it shows you that it's from all the universities of Australia, and then it's awarded to this student in big, bold letters for practice of music, uh, fourth grade, and you got a high distinction. Right. And then is the, the university seal, the AMEB seal, mm -hmm. and down the bottom it's got uh, two numbers. One is the student's ID number, the other one is the teacher's ID number. Mm -hmm. Now mine happens to be 925, and it's in such small font um, that when I say to the kids, you know, here's encouragement, for all the time that I've taught you, for you say, just for this exam, so let's say we spent you know 10 months on these uh, six pieces plus your 25 scales and all that, mm -hmm. the recognition goes to you. This is all about you. I get those three little numbers down the bottom. That's all I get. Yeah. Your parents don't get anything about how much they paid or they brought you here and all that. It's about you. It's for you. So you're the one who's got to go out there and do it. Perfect. You know, and when they see that, it makes them a lot more proud about it. And they go, yeah, it's me. And I go, that's all about you. And I said, if one day you become a concert pianist or a rock and roll or whatever you want to do, Yep. You don't have to mention my, you know, my teacher was just get me a ticket and come and see you and enjoy that. That's going to be fantastic. That's that's a good reward. Excellent. Beautiful. Yes. Well, thank yes. you, David, for just hanging out and just chatting. And the last time we had a chat was pretty quick, and 
uh, it was at the, yeah. the Music Teacher Association board, and we didn't really get the chance to have these. We don't get the chance to have these chats, of course. We could, but it'd be very rude across the table. Um, yes. So thanks again, mate. I, I really appreciate it, and you're helping me share yeah. my share my cause. And and uh, you know, if if there's anyone listening right now that has anyone in mind that they'd love me to go and find and, and have a chat to on their behalf and ask questions and that's that's what I do. So it's kind of like nominate your nominate the next podcast at this point. I have a massive backlog that I need to get up, um, I need to uh, contact and, and record with. So I'm pretty proactive in this. I'm probably doing two or three podcasts a day at this particular point in time while I'm recording this, a um, couple of days a week, not every day. So, yeah. and most of them go for about an hour. Some of them are, are, are really short, um, mm-hmm. but they just, uh, they are, like I said, I don't have any preset questions. Maybe I should, maybe I might do um, like a, a quick 10 at the end. I have 10 questions and I just throw at you and you answer them with one word and then we, we, we kind of end the show. So I'm not sure what 10 questions mm-hmm. to ask because we always elaborate on those 10. But anyway. That's true. Thanks, David. Appreciate your time. Yeah. I love everything you do. My Keep pleasure. doing what you yeah. do, mate. It's it's awesome and it's it's really good. And we need to uh, find more people like you that are, are committed and, and powerful and and uh, passionate about the the cause of music education. It's not just to make a few bucks on the yeah. side. It's to change the way that the uh, the the, the, yeah. the people operate on the planet. Mm-hmm. Like Terence Terence McKenna. Terence McKenna says, "It's the." It's the creatives that hold the keys to mankind. Oh, yes. So that's us. Yes, it is. Good on you, bro. Thanks for the chat. Likewise. Thanks very much. We'll chat again soon. Thanks, buddy. Ciao. Thank you. Ciao. We hope you enjoyed Pete's podcast. Make sure you like, subscribe, and share with anyone you think will get value. And if you haven't already, head to PeteBarter.com for more Pete Barter content. And remember, do something good for yourself and someone else today. Thanks for listening.